Good evening and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers and I'm joined once again by Michael Danis. How's it going, Mike? Pretty great. Pretty awesome. Dennis, how's your uh, week been? I mean, it's Monday, so... Uh, or or know, actually, been... l- last week. How's last week been for you? L- l- last week. It was... Um, the week prior to this one. It was not bad. I had uh, one one super long night over the weekend, and uh, but I did get over to the house and uh, make some progress. We're working on trim, <laughs> window trim, closet trim, door trim uh, on the second floor, and getting ready to start painting the first floor. So, uh, so oh man, so, slow slow march of of house house history. So you're you're on pace for a, a summer sale, right? You know, I don't fingers crossed. We'll see. The the <laughs> list still feels really long to me. We've still got an entire kitchen and an entire bathroom to do, but uh we'll see. Yeah, a little, a little quicker than you think it is. Kitch- kitchens aren't easy, but the bathrooms you can get through. So I, Yeah, we did one bathroom already, so Yeah, I might have a see if I can race there. you one time when you start doing your bathroom, I'm gonna see if I have my bathroom done. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I got a I've always kind of been wanting to do remodel my my bathroom city's bathroom upstairs so right because uh, it's just it's kind of plain jane right now i need it to be better um yeah that you mentioned the the late night that's i know what light night that was that's probably the night we played uh tabletop right yep let's uh but we don't have a title for video game segment do we <laughs> what well, well, yeah it's i guess it is kind of video game slash board game ish well yeah game. it's yeah. for for once worlds collide and we're talking about both video games and board games so on friday was it friday i think so uh our buddy who was who started this was it fox it or... could have been fox i, mean, I know i, think, I know I... fox was strongly involved we were uh, i think pete was talking about twilight imperium and people playing it the people who played a lot played on tabletop simulator yeah. which is a quote-unquote game on steam but really more of a a framework or a platform for virtual 3d uh tabletop gaming experiences yeah the, i guess the best way to describe <laughs> tabletop simulator and i and i've tried this a while ago many years ago and it probably could have just been in its infancy was kind of the problem so it's just if this if you don't know what tabletop simulator is it's kind of like a a virtual 3d board or table that's out floating out there and you can put anything on it like you can make objects and squares and um, yeah and it's not new i mean i remember using apps like this 20 30 years ago maybe not 30 years ago but 20 years ago yeah um and maybe not in 3d you know maybe a or you know not in a full this is like a uh, they have a VR version of it. There's physics and all of this stuff, um, but the the real uh, uh, place where this where this app shines is that is in the Steam Workshop community. And yeah, people go that in. That is where it shines, right? They scan in their games. I'm sure you know all this is <laughs> copyright violation and such. There are official, you know, mods. They call them mods, but um, I think they call them mods. Uh, there are official ones for games that you can pay for, but there's a whole community where, you know, somebody puts in the mechanics, somebody else scans their cards or whatever and, and puts it into the game. And a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, in in technical terms, a collection of assets. Mm-hmm. If you want to play, you know, uh, Carcassonne, you can load it up and there's a table there. There is 
you know, the table has a surface and there's just a collection of tiles. Maybe the tiles snap together when you play, when you drop them on the board. Right. Uh, but you still have to keep track of dealing them out or, or drawing them, shuffling them, making sure they connect the right way, putting the meeples on top of them. Like, yeah. it's not a... It's not a video game version of the app. Yeah, it's not. It's it's, just, let's, let's be clear. An even more more uh, simpler version. Is if they have checkers, right? Like a yeah. check, like a checkers. There's a checkerboard that someone would scan in a picture of a checkerboard. They would make a, <laughs> a, a, a square object in the game that can be placed on the table, and then they would you know model these 3D circle chips and make them yeah. different colors, and then then make you know have them there and you can control them now you the game doesn't the tabletop simulator doesn't like get the chips and put them all in a nice spot it doesn't tell you the legal moves you can make it doesn't have it doesn't keep score for you it doesn't give you ending like hey you did good get achievements or stuff like that and so for games that have apps like i don't know ascension lords of water deep carcassonne uh ticket to ride any of those like you're going to have an easier time on the real app. Yeah, and those are going to be more fun to play there. Like, I wouldn't play a, a um, Ascension game on the Tabletop Simulator when I've got a much better, you know, app that you can play it on. Uh, yeah. But but the, the real thing with this one is that it's easily multiplayer, and you can have anyone else who has it can jump in and start playing a, a board game. And the library for these games are in the thousands, Right. There's yeah. almost anything you can think of. And any anything yeah. that's been out over a year or something, I'm I'm you know, I'm estimating that number because there were a couple of things I looked for, like I just got um uh Call to Adventure from Kickstarter and mm-hmm. it's not on there. You know, right, nobody, sure. in the right. I got it two weeks ago. Nobody's put it on nobody scanned it into tabletops right. yet. Right. But the you, you get the thing that's so nice about this is the is the multiplayer. Like you and I, for a per- perfect example, Played games last uh, last weekend, which we can't play games. You know, I have right. the bo- I have uh, w- one we played as a World of Warcraft uh, trading card game. I have hundreds and hundreds of those cards, and we could play that, <laughs> but we can't because we're you know are remote from each other, F- far away. And right. I said this when uh, somebody in our one of our group chats act- asked about it, and they said, uh, "Does anybody play Tabletop Simulator?" And I have had in my mind for the last couple months. To do this because uh, my brother Andrew plays it a lot with his buddies. He has a core group of like half a dozen or more um, guys who play video games together. And yeah. and they oftentimes, if they can't think of something to play or if they have the right size group, like they'll play something on tabletop sim. I think they've even played Cards Against Humanity on this thing yeah. um, because they're all spread out. And it's, you know, sort of an ordeal to, to get everybody together. Yeah. And um, I had been wanting to do that with with my brothers and brother-in-law because now except for andrew who's here with me my uh three two brothers and brother-in-law are all spread out across the country and i'm like we could do a weekly or even a monthly game night on tabletop sim and it wouldn't be quite the same but you get you get a close approximation and when i asked you and maybe a couple other the guys about it they're like yeah i tried it i didn't really like it and i'm like well I, I forget how right. I said it in the group chat. I'm like, those of those of us fortunate enough to uh, be to have Trotsky proximity right. uh, are not interested in tabletop simulator. It's right. like you know, you guys have more than uh, well above average opportunities for in person board game playing. Right. Uh, 
but yeah, so as you said, you you bought it. I had bought it a couple months ago, but you bought it months or maybe even a, a, more than a year ago. Not right. important. Right. Uh, you bought it, and uh, we tried the World of Warcraft trading card game, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm overall unimpressed with. <laughs> uh, I'm try to not not let that opinion be affected by the fact that we've played twice and I lost both times. <laughs> um, say, does that have anything to affect it? <laughs> it was it was sort of close the first time, and then the second time we played, when I understood the rules, it was not even a little bit close. Right. Um. So it's. I'm I'm sort of of the opinion that th- this this game is like the pre-alpha for Hearthstone. Like oh yeah. Bef- they learned from all their experiences of how to balance cards and and powers and uh, systems. Right. right. And you know, obviously, two games is not enough time to. Yeah, and, to, and we uh, played with the the, the close one was f- with pro-made decks. The 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 yeah. one that wasn't was with pre-made a fully uh, start form decks. a fully formed opinion on it but right, uh right but we yeah. we also played here and here was a good good one that's an interesting thing about when we talk about tabletop simulator is we we mentioned checkers and it's not hard to set up checkers and you can move the little pieces and drop them down but if you get the thing that tabletop simulator that really kind of pushed me into this thing was um the bigger games and twilight imperium was a perfect example it's that like i liked playing twilight imperium enough but the setup is so long and then rules right. explanation, everything is so long um, that you just sit there and it kind of sucks. And then you're dragging on and you're having side conversations. And that's that's part of the experience of having these things. So Tabletop Simulator will never replace actually playing games with people mm-hmm. because that social aspect is an important part of at least why I and a lot of our friends play these games. But the, the thing is, is that things can go quicker when you're not having side conversations, when you're not getting up to go get beers and you're, or you're, you know, hanging out in the kitchen and talking and, you know, having breaks. Uh, and then the, the tabletop simulator, because the, it's got scripting in it, people have these like auto setup things. So you right. immediately, the one we're going to talk about here in a second is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven has a billion parts and pieces to it and envelopes and things and folders and bits mm-hmm. and bops. And we've done a really good job. We have all of us own many copies of Gloomhaven, surprisingly enough. And uh, we've done all sorts of things to organize it and made little fishing tackle boxes and labeled them. And but even then, it takes a while to set up, break down, and get it going again. But on Tabletop right. Simulator, it's got like infinite chips. All la- the board you just hit load, and the whole board is set up with all of the stuff in places. Yeah, easily. it's a. It's a perfect kind of uh, macro um, um, sort of environment. Because if you're playing a trading card game, really all you need are cards. Like, yes, there were tokens and markers and stuff that we didn't weren't really accounted for. But it's clearly like somebody designed a nice board with places for the cards to snap to so that everything's straight and right. uh, uh, satisfying to uh, persons with low-level uh OCD. Um, but, but you really just need the cards. You know, the cards are in a stack. You can pull one off. Or if you need to, you can pick up the whole stack, shake your mouse cursor, and uh, and it'll shuffle. Like, right. that's easy. The The game doesn't need to do any of the thinking for you. Yeah. Um, and with Gloomhaven, you set up a Gloomhaven scenario. You got to find it in the, in the book. That's fairly easy. You got to find, you know, however many map tiles you know average of like three and those are different shapes with different identifiers 
and front or back. You got to put those together the right way. Then you got to find little monster stand-ups for whatever kind of monsters, anywhere from three to five different kinds of monsters mm-hmm. with little stands, with decks of cards, stuff and, with yep. stat sheets that go in the thing. And it's all it's all routine administration. You right. know, there's a, the, the page in the book says this map tile, this map tile, this map tile, these four enemy types. It just takes um, time. This and many then, treasure yeah. chests and this many. And so it's just you find these things and put them together. There's no um, like intellectual brain power uh, required. It's just follow these steps. And it's the perfect thing that you can write a script to do. Because yeah. it's all, you know, one-to-one mathematical process. And, and just think about, like, the, the small amount of time, but it, it, it definitely adds up in shuffling. Like, there's seven decks yeah. in a game like Gloomhaven that have to get shuffled multiple times throughout the game. And you have to pick up a thing, and you shuffle, 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 and then you put them back together. But in this game, you don't even do it. You click the button that says, end of the round, and it cleans up and does all those procedural things, and boom, you're ready for the next round. You don't have to do anything, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's play the same thing we talk about player decks. You, you mentioned just setting up a scenario. You have to manage player areas and space. And if if you were in a uh, even on my table on my big table down downstairs, which is a rare thing, play space, it's still restricted on rooms around the board type thing. So you you always have this not enough space. But when you're playing in virtual world on tabletop simulator. You've got plenty of space, right? Yeah, can, it's like it's a combination of Probably not infinite space, but a massive amount of space compared to a real table, an actual mm-hmm. physical table. But also, because it's a virtual world, you're not bound by the rules of physical space, right? Like, we loaded up but didn't play the um, StarCraft Brood War board game. And it right. has a bunch of little miniature ships. Uh, Twilight Imperium is probably the same way. Like, a bunch of little miniature ships. Yep. But if my setup has three battle cruisers, five wraiths, five valkyries, 12 marines, whatever. In the physical game like those take up a bunch of space. But yeah. in tabletop simulator, all the battle cruisers can be together in one little mini or in a little bag. And the right. bag is the size the same size as a D20. Like it doesn't have to be as big as the physical miniatures would be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I can I can pull them out and they still will go back in the same stack. Yeah. Um, I loaded up. I loaded up uh, a one of the newer games out now. It's called Star Wars Legion. It's a kind of a min- mm-hmm. Star Wars miniatures game, and I it had a nice little console interface on the table that I went and clicked and said I want a pre made map and a pre made thing, and it goes boom, 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 and it just set this huge table of like models. Like in, when you're playing that game, for the most part, people are playing on just a table with these little miniatures and they're just mm-hmm. shooting. And if they're lucky, they have like little maybe some barricades that they go around and shoot around that comes with the game. Right. But the pros that spend thousands and thousands of dollars have in their basements these 3D modeling mountain and terrain. Terrain, stuff. yeah, yeah. And, right. And then you can do that with this, but nobody has that. Put in Tabletop Simulator, I went to the console, said pre made maps. I picked Scarif and stuff. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's this huge ad ats and there's all this stuff on the board and it's all set up. It's like, okay, play. And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. I can just play on dream boards. Man, I don't, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but there is a Star Trek miniatures game i've seen it at the greenwood 
uh, game preserve. I didn't, uh, wait, you know. How is there a Star Trek miniatures game? Don't they, all they do is talk. They don't <laughs> actually fight, right? It's There's ships. No actual... It's ship combat. Um, but uh, I think I I didn't look at it very much because I'm like, I'll never even even these even you guys who are playing Cl- uh, Klingons and Dragons wouldn't uh, wouldn't. Wouldn't commit to, to that. Would commit to that, but you know, in tabletop simulator, we could try it. Yeah, that's what I said. In table, the thing about tabletop simulator is that we can play these games. And and the the interesting thing for me is that um, the games that I got for the most part are the ones that I actually own. Like I didn't go out and get games that I didn't own, and I even though I could, yeah, right. I mean, I totally could. But the thing is, you I could. have a I have a lot of good games that I want to play with people, but we just right. can't get to play. Um, one game in particular, Star Wars um, Rebellion, and Trotsky and I played that game, and we love it. It's a great, fun game, but it's mainly a two-player game, and we just don't ever have the time to get where, like, okay, mm-hmm. just the two of us are going to set, and I'm going to come over to his house and sit with Sid, and we're going to do this for two out two three hours right for just a, <laughs> but if it was on tabletop simulator someone else could be i could talk pete or you or somebody else and say hey let's just do this because we're not doing anything we don't have to like make trips and find places and get food and you know you just sit and play it at home right um, pete was playing twilight imperium which is notorious where we every time we play is like 10 to 12 hours and he's yeah. playing him in five hours right right which is that's huge that's half the time at least that he's being able to, and he can get on and get his fix at Twilight Imperium without having to have two months of prep and organization and logistics, <laughs> which is very real, right? Yeah, it, like there's the there's the logistical hurdle of of setup of admin, like we talked about with Gloomhaven, but there's also the logistical hurdle of getting people together. Yeah, and like you know, I know from experience, while raiding and whatever, that it. It can be difficult to get somebody to commit a block of time, depending on their life, if they have kids or pets or jobs or whatever, life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still easier than getting people all together in one place, right? Like, we get together to record the Klingons and Dragons supposedly every other week, but it ends up being, like, once a month mm-hmm. uh, just because of those logistical hurdles. But we only physically get together once or twice a year, this right. this group of five guys now fox is out in dc so that's a you know a little bit of hyperbole but right um yeah before you guys started before trotsky started doing tuesday nights it was once a month and that once a month was really like every f- four to six weeks right right yeah it, it's it's nice to be able to this tabletop simulator i'm really bottom lines i'm super super impressed with how <laughs> right, much right. it knocks off the stuff and and it is just those small administrative things i, I like that you brought up the wow rating thing because i i was a, a wow raid leader for most of my wow playing time mm-hmm. and and it was um it's you sit or heck even for back in everquest i was and you can take a four hour block of time out and you're actually only raiding for two of those hours like right. because there's so much sitting and waiting around and where's the tank and where's the guy if we got everybody up and now we just sit and I remember most of the time sitting just sitting my computer my screen just sitting with a guy idle because we're waiting mm-hmm. on people and things and everyone's right someone had to go to the bathroom you know but tabletop simulator you can just get on and go and especially now because they have Discord setups and you can say like hey I want to play a game and someone just random person will come in and play with you yeah uh, which is Again, it's it, I've not done that yet, but Pete's done it a couple of times, and it seems to be pretty fruitful. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great thing. I'm I'm really really excited about it, impressed about with it. Uh, 
I'm trying to get other people to, to do it. My friends have been Indian uh, specifically because uh, they like playing, but I see them and play games with them once a year, maybe. So, right. and they love games too, but they're an indie, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they can make an hour once a week, you know, to, to play games. And I think that will be, if I get them to, to do that, I, I find it funny though. Actually, when I start doing this is how much my friends don't have computers anymore. Or if they do, they're like 10 year old computers. Um, sure. Sure. It, when it used to be that everyone had computers, but honestly, nowadays people have thousand dollar phones. Yeah. Right? Which, you know, technically are computers. But they yeah, are computers. People right? don't That's have their... don't have desktop or laptop computers. And I don't know. I don't know what all this will run on. I know that it has some VR capability, but honestly, to me, a VR headset would only replace the monitor in this game. Like you still yes. would need a mouse and a keyboard. Yeah. A mouse for sure. Like I right. can't see playing this with a controller. Maybe yeah. you could, but I don't know either. Um, the yeah, I mean, if if people were playing this all the time and I was playing it, then I then I could see myself maybe doing some kind of VR thing. But I don't know what that would be good for. I mean, sure. the monitor works. It's just like playing a great board game. So yeah, anyone out there wants to try some tabletop simulator? It's it, it's only twenty bucks for the thing. You know, that's what a great great price. Um, super 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 great. Um, I and and you know I have Gloomhaven, and I don't want to go down there and set up that board, but I want to play it, <laughs> and I can play this. And I played two solo two solo scenarios that night, right by myself. And you're you're, you're crazy, man. I was like, we finished uh, the WoW TCG, and it was like one, and I was like, okay. yeah. Well, Mike Mike usually logs off like at midnight at the latest, so right. He's right. he's probably done. And then we like messed around for two hours. And then started Gloomhaven at like three in the morning. Right. Oh, this is insane. Right. And then I went and and I was like, I'm already, I'm already awake. So keep playing. So yeah. Um, It was, but but the the thing was, it was just so easy to set it up and just go and and playing some of these. It's neat because there are a a lot of single player games out there that are fun. And I just played one uh, widow's wood. It's an iron forge type game that my buddy Dave had loaned me and it's got, you can play it single player and I got it okay. out. I got it out last week and did sit down at my table and played it, which is kind of fun. Um, and, and I would like to do it, but again, it's, it's, the, I have to do setup and I have to get all the pieces and lay it all out. And it's just a lot when I can go on here, hit the button and go and then get two or three games in, in the time it would take me to set up. So yeah, it's pretty, it's just, so such a nice thing it really really is so i'm i'm excited about using it in the future being able to play some of my board games uh, that i own and being right. able to do that uh, and we while we are talking about copyright infringement and that kind of stuff all the game workshop people that do this are all huge about hey go buy this game you know this is here to play but you should buy this you know go support them to make more money um and i don't know if there, if there's a lot of people the company's going to take these down but you know, if I, I will say that if there was a StarCraft, the board game, uh, virtual app, I'd buy it, right? I would totally buy it. I yeah, I mean, it. I've I've bought the app versions of games that I have sometimes never played. I bought the app for Lords of Waterdeep and maybe played it once. Oh yeah, I played the credit out of that one, but but yeah, Lords of Waterdeep, perfect example. Like the putting these board games on iPad and things like that. The, I think that's great. I played Potion Explosion a hundred times more on the app than I ever did. But mm. sometimes they just don't. They're game companies that are making their, the board game, and they just can't make the app or do it well. Um, 
Smash, smash was it Smash Up being an example. Sure. Um, but, you know, so they're not making any money off that anyway. And, I, you know, it's, this is a neat way for me to play that without having them. So, yeah, liked it. It was good. Liked it. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. We talked about All right, yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the short version of that is uh, Tabletop Simulator is awesome. And if you like board games but don't always get the opportunities to play them as as you like you should check it out it's not that expensive and uh it's so steam friends. so it'll probably go on sale if you're patient enough but uh, but 20 bucks pay pay for it to support people yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. for sure right. uh have you seen the latest episodes of um discovery star trek i have seen up to where i'm at now is where spock went back uh they got spock i guess is the thing where he is um they went to the memory planet i think it's called something about memories um that was back in the cage yep Yep. so that's the one i saw there's one more episode just came out thursday and i didn't get for for people who either don't care about star trek or don't want to be spoiled uh skip ahead a chapter in the podcast uh yes they go to talos 4 the planet from the cage slash the menagerie in the original series, the original, which is original neat for those who are pilots. not sure about what all that is, is that it's the pilot that wasn't. Did they actually air it? Did they air this? Or was it just the, the? No, they. You could you can get it now, and even when I was a teenager, you could get it on VHS. They took clips from it. They took footage from it to use as the flashbacks in the Menagerie, the yep. episode the Menagerie. Um, but it's the original pilot that Roddenberry pitched to. I don't think it was even Paramount at the time. It was like Daisy Lou or something um, for, you know, what was Star Trek? You know, it was like he said, he said, we're going to do this show. It's like a Western in space. And then he showed him this trailer of, uh, you know, or this pilot where these guys, uh, you know, go to this planet and the captain gets kidnapped and there are aliens controlling his mind. And, you know, the studio execs were like, this this is not a space western this is <laughs> this is something very very different and right. you know time passed and it eventually as we know got picked up um but a lot of the a lot of the cast was different they didn't have christopher pike they didn't have the female uh first officer though that was a roddenberry's wife major barrett right uh but yeah which, which but, but some of that really affected later on and, and a lot of the other people down the pike have used that episode as to bring it into canon type stuff is in the, the number one being number one is that uh, like uh, Jonathan Frakes, character was uh, um, in the next generation. They, they called him number one, mm-hmm. which is the mm-hmm. first officer. And that's what the only reason that Christopher Pike in this ep- old sixties episode pilot, his first officer, or what, was it first officer? The only name she had was number one. Right, mm, so they brought that yeah. in. And another thing was Christopher Pike himself. He was in the the Star Trek movies, and he right. was in the Star Trek series later, though. Right, I think they had actual Christopher Pike. Right. Um. Well, he shows up in um in the Menagerie. He's uh, you know, uh, um, what's the word? Qua- not quadriplegic. He, like he's completely paralyzed. Yeah. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, he's in the movies, but he's not really. There might be episodes here and there where they do some weird time travel thing. But right. according to one of the websites that I looked at, uh, this is the first time that any Star Trek show has used footage from a previous, from another iteration of the show 
as like the recap for an episode. Like they've that's, done that's time very travel. Specific, though. I mean, well, as as context for a story like they've done before where they went back, right? Like Enterprise goes back. There were episodes of there's a Deep Space Nine episode and a Next Generation episode where they yeah. go back in time in some way. But this and they is used the, footage. They used they used footage in those shows. Of they used footage as once. part of the episode, but in a sense of them literally being there. I don't know. Yeah, it did seem specific to me. It's kind of like a, a Super Bowl uh, stat that yeah. the, the comment. Yeah, that's say, right, but, right, right. But uh, it's, you know, here are these characters and this is a thing that they did because maybe this is the first time. I don't know. In the 90s, the shows were, were sort of happening at the same time. But this is the first time where we've we're telling a prequel. And, I mean, we Star Trek is telling a prequel kind of story. And not just using names and places and, you know, Leonard Nimoy when he was still alive. Um, you know, in the case of the movies, they they diverged the timelines so or the the universes. So it's not it wouldn't even be the same, um, which which is this is I think the neatest thing about this is that I, I wasn't aware of the time jump like that. Discovery happens in the middle between when the cage that pilot episode happens and then when the five year mission is happening. Right. Like, I didn't know it's right in between there that there's this whole long period of time where Christopher Pike was captain of the Enterprise and Discovery. Yeah, um, I mean it's yeah, it's it sort of makes sense, right? Because we've got Spock and we've got the Enterprise, but Kirk is not captain. So obviously that's true, but just like you, it didn't I didn't even really think about that. But right. when they show you know, they're like previously on Star Trek and they're showing us scenes from whatever it is now, like f over 50 years ago. Yeah. That like, this is this character and he did this, this stuff happened to him. And, and now in case you were wondering, in case there's any question, this is the, this is universe prime or whatever they want to call it. Like, right. This is the real same world setup as everything else. We're not yeah, doing and, a, and we're not doing a Kelvin verse thing. Yeah, it's the same thing because they use the same – it's the same people, name. they had. It's like their experience that they had. And it is a neat way to it, – it enhances the old uh, episode, right? The old se series. Yeah. And the fact that, that, you know, this was an important thing that happened to Christopher Pike's life because you've said many times about Star Trek in the old 60s is that it being episodic that you can do – um, the you know it a big thing will happen and then Kirk goes on the next day as if it's no big deal on the right. next episode right uh, but this 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 was a way to like look this happened to Pike and he still kind of deals with it it's a, still a big thing for him um, which was neat right the the girl that you know he he falls for or something mm -hmm. um, and that that was just a neat little thing that they did by the way I I know I keep saying it again and again but I'm gonna keep saying it every time is that Anson mounts. Christopher Pike is so amazing. He's so, you, he you is said that a great thing. You said that to me in text, and I'm sure that we've talked about it on the show, but really just and I don't I don't know I don't know if I can even put it on a on a single thing about season two. So much about season two. I guess a lot of it has to do with those um those short treks, in particular The Brightest Star, uh mm -hmm. featuring Saru. Like season two is so good like 
season one, I think, you know, like a lot of Star Trek series, the season one was rough. Um, yeah. Ori- the original series was kind of all, it was all the same. Like once they got past the pilot, they had a pretty good sense of the tone of the show. But like yeah. the first season of Next Generation is awful. Um, yeah. And the others, not quite as quite as bad. But of course, Next Generation was dealing with a lot of issues, right? It's like mm-hmm. 20 years after the original. People have a really clear idea of what Star Trek is and they want to Roddenberry wants to do something different with it. It's, I mean, it's no different than what Discovery is dealing with, right? Y- yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same. You know, time, right, yeah, time has passed, and people are like, "What? What is Star Trek? Like, is Star Trek the '90s? Is Star Trek Enterprise, which was disappointing to most people? Is it yeah. the you know the J.J. Abrams movies, which are you know big bombastic kind of adventure things, which are great. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've enjoyed all of them, but um you know try to do try to do something different do something a little more modern a little progressive or whatever um, i think and, it's a, i think it's a good blend of of all those things you and, said and season like, 1 really had a, had a lot of that uncertainty like like what is this what like it's in the past but everything looks nicer um something so are you are you caught up with this most recent episode had a lot of, um, I did not uh, watch the most recent one. When it came out Thursday. Okay. Uh, I want to say Detmer, but that's not right. The, um, I know they go and they go fight section 31 or something. I think is what's happening, but I, I saw all that next time on is all I saw. Yeah. I um, watched it kind of late. I think I might've even watched it like after we played Gloomhaven. So it's a <laughs> little, it's a little hazy in my mind, but, um, right. Well, the, it's the the I, cyborg I, I, character. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, Aaron, I think is that her name or something. Uh, Arium. Arium, yeah. Th- that's that's something I wanted to mention about the season two here is that season one did what it has to do, and it spent a lot of time focusing on forcing new characters to to for to for you. Like we spent a lot of time on Stamets and who he is and what he mm-hmm. wants, and learning that character and putting a lot of there on Tilly. We spent a whole bunch on her. We spent a whole bunch on Michael Burnham, and and you just had they force all these new characters on you because there's so many new characters and you're trying to do so much. That's what has to happen. Now, season two has these characters and you feel like this is your veteran cast and we're able to not like Tilly can have just five lines in a show, but they're great. (laughs) And they're just enough that you feel good that you have Tilly, that she's still there and it's still around. And right. But, but they can branch out and now give you this robot lady, you know, lines or the, the communication officer or, you know what I mean? These different people have different parts in the role and they don't have to cram huge episodes all about them. It becomes a, the ensemble cast, which works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very reminiscent of, of old classic nineties era. Like the original series was all about, you know, at most the main seven, but usually Mm -hmm. just the main three with like one of either Chekhov or Sulu or Uhura or Scotty, you know, it was mostly, Kirk and Spock and Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, the original or the next generation and uh, a Voyager and Deep Space Nine would do these sort of character piece episodes. Although I feel like almost every episode had at least two stories running at the same time. Yeah. Um, but, sure, you, sure. you know, they would do an episode all about O'Brien. Like something else would be going on with Julian 
in between those scenes, but but we're going to really explore O'Brien and the writers are going to do something awful to him. Yeah. Because it's Deep Space Nine and there's one of those every season. But right. um, yeah, they, you know, they had a whole episode all about Saru. And then another episode, a couple episodes later, that really, you know, took that story even further. And now that we've established, you know, we're not going to talk about Stamets and his relationship with his husband now that he's brought back to life or you know whatever that whole complicated thing we're not going to talk about Mm -hmm. that every week we'll surely come back to it but you know we're now going to really focus on michael because we haven't we haven't done you know she's been out of the spotlight for a couple episodes where season one was very like it was always focused on michael um and it it just feels like they've um you know like next generation did um they've gotten more comfortable in what they're doing and wh- who, what the show is. Yeah. And, and you, it, but I, I liked though, that you can have that episode of, of Michael Burnham, you know, centered type stuff, but then you can still have these other characters come on and do little things and, and they have enough weight. Like, right. You just, the few lines that a character will have, like I mentioned Tilly, or Stamets will come in and you're like, oh, you know a lot about Stamets now. He doesn't have to come in and have a whole section about him ongoing with this other story to right. know who and, this guy is. And, and just, we had you know. and we had in season one, uh, you know, flashes of all three of these uh, women on the bridge to know that they're there. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a girl here with a weird thing on her eye that nobody you know in classic trek only borg had stuff like that well remember and she had she was also on the original ship with the shinzu with with uh Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah. yeah and that's why she has that thing which was again she's they had flashes of her all the time and she was clearly a thing but she didn't was just an extra character right and you know there's the there's a cyborg character um and the the, the helmsman or the navigator but in season one like they don't do anything and yeah. now in season two, they're like, you know, there's the the scene we talked about where Michael's on the on the communicator and she's like, you know, we'll do that and we'll we'll pull you out. We we got you. And then, you know, she, she's like, we we got him. Right, ladies. Like, it, right. you know, this this subtle thing. But now they can develop those characters a little bit more. If they had started from season one to try and develop the whole ensemble cast. Uh, Just too much. While telling this intense you know, Michael started the Klingon war story. Like it would have right. just collapsed. There would have been too much. Yeah. You yeah. would have been like this. We don't know what's happening here. There's just too much. You can't get, they needed you to, to gravitate to some main characters and they did that successfully. I think so. Give that makes, that's what makes season two better is that you have these firm things of these people and they're still evolving like Saru clearly. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they've really evolved and adding, and then they add a whole nother major cast person. On top of that, with Christopher Pike, which is still here we are. Are we halfway through this season? I think is what, or maybe a little bit more. Got to be close, um, if maybe yeah. a little, a little past. But man, I mean, right. and, and you, and you, we've got this guy who I thought there's no way they're going to have this guy be the captain of Discovery for the whole season, and he's been pretty much this. He's the guy, right? He's the captain. I, I have to think. I, mean, I, have to gonna, think, I don't think he'll be here next season, but I think. Yeah, and I don't, this is going to be a prediction, whatever. I have to think that whatever causes him to become paralyzed maybe happens this season. Yeah, I bet so too. Toward, I bet you they, toward, they, the, they do toward the end of the season. And I'm also anticipating 
several events, uh, kind of like Battlestar Galactica did with their technology, several events that cause uh, Starfleet and the Federation as a whole to regress in certain areas. Uh, you know, in the in the area of um, genetic augmentation or cybernetic stuff right, like, because i have no idea how that cyborgs on there you, you data you, was such a huge thing yeah you right. get to next generation you get to um or you get to the original series you get to next generation and there's none of that like no genetic you know we don't do genetic engineering anymore we don't do cybernetic enhancement um right and so i'm i'm assuming that somewhere in the course of this series i don't know if it comes to fruition this season or if it takes a couple because that's really sort of like a bookend for the end of this this series this version of of star trek um triggered my phone with that sorry I wonder, anyone listening I, on speakers i wonder what um I, this red angel thing i, I wonder mm. if not, because their discovery is doing it seems like the writers are just having a happy fantasy time of their childhood going back and, and integrating all these um you know, Star Trek classic things into their movie, their show here. And they're, they're not shying, just not shying away from it. They're embracing it. Like this is, yes, let's not make our own story, just our own story in the Star Wars universe, Star Wars, Star Trek universe. Let's, let's, let's totally interweave it with all the existing stuff that had come in the past. They love it. So I can't see how the red angel isn't going to be something that's tied into one of the other series like, I don't know what it'll be, but it would be, I could see them doing that. Like something from the next generation comes through and you're like, oh my gosh, it's Q or it's something, right? Right, um, right. And and you're like, oh, I never saw that coming, but it's, we talk, they're talking about that it's a future person all the time, right? Of course Some, it's going to be from something. Something uh, going into that, you know, writers having a field day. This most recent episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh. I don't know if you great, noticed that. Great. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, record. Yeah, so right I did here. not. I, again, I haven't seen this one. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it, again, Discovery's proving that it's a, a great new modern Star Trek. I think that you you uh, hit the nail on the head there when we we're just talking how um, it's taking modern stuff and the Kelvin verse stuff and or the J.J. Abrams stuff and the old stuff and really just making it its own new thing. Yeah, no, they just did a great job, and it's worth CBS All Access Pass to get just for that. For sure, there was a sure. what was it? You sent a cartoon something one time where somebody was like, uh, CBS was asking them for they were talking to the billing department. They're like, "Is there? Do you are you enjoying the other shows that are on CBS All Access?" And I'm like, "Wait, there's other shows." <laughs> right. Yeah, the guy, You're the so guy just laughs and he's like, "Ha, other shows. You're other hilarious." Shows. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's just Big 10 bucks a theory. month is worth paying. Yeah, right. I mean, seriously, it's like 10 bucks a month. That is worth paying for this show. It's not. Right? A, you can get it for like four or five if you don't mind watching ads. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. totally worth it. It really is. I mean, just think about the amount of time in a month you get. What is that? Four hours of, of a show. And you can't <laughs> you how much you would pay to go to a movie theater and watch this. And this is that caliber quality of stuff yeah it's very well made it's very well written i i think we've uh waxed eloquent on how much we both love uh the character of christopher pike who you know surprise yeah. middle-aged white dude character but i just love <laughs> like so much of his his lines and his attitude it's just like 
you know, when I watched the first Avengers film, not Captain America, but the actual yeah. Avengers movie, um, yeah. you know, I liked the Captain America character, just the straightforward, old fashioned. But even when there's conflict, I think we talked about this before, um, you know, when after Saru goes through his transition and he becomes more bold, like he and, and Pike butt heads and they all of the all of the conflict all feels very um i don't know if real is the right word but it it feels accurate it feels satisfying you know you're like you're mm-hmm. in this situation and he's like okay i got to you know do, do this and he makes a decision and it's all of his all of his command lines are delivered with confidence in a way that's not the the swaggering kind of confidence that um that uh um Kirk, or Kirk had, Kirk, had. Yeah. um it's closer to uh the confidence Picard had but not as not as stoic a little more yeah, right. kind of fatherly I don't know I'm, I'm... yeah I don't know fatherly is a good that's a good example I think that uh he is what I would consider the model Starfleet officer it it really is I didn't right. think about this until so this is a little bit stream of consciousness but like he's riding that line somewhere between Kirk and Picard. Like if you're a, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a hardcore nerd Trekkie that likes arguing about stuff, you argue about Kirk versus Picard, um, mm-hmm. which is dumb. Picard's clearly better. And <laughs> Spock was right. the best character on original series, but um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's serious. He's not arrogant, but um, when he sits down in the chair, and gives an order. He's like, set a course for this, this. Hit it. Don't right. spare the horses. There's just right. a just enough of that Kirk swagger in there to to make him a little more relatable. Yeah, and, and he has I, I liked in this the last episode that I'd watched, I like how Saru we talk about complex characters. People, you know, may not mm-hmm. like a Captain America, a Superman, or a Christopher Pike because oh, he's too one-dimensional. There's he's nothing scout, complicated, about, complicated. About I love Pike. that because the thing I love about that is that he can be completely surrounded by complex characters, and that's okay. Right. Everybody Captain else, Saru, America, Michael, yes. Tilly, to an extent, Stamets, yeah. like all the other characters on the ship, a very complicated, messy kind of situation. Michael's got her thing with um. Uh, everything uh, with Michael, like everything with Michael. Every, everything with Michael. But I'm thinking yeah. of uh, Lieutenant Tyler. He's got his mm-hmm. whole thing. Stamets now has his situation. Um, yeah, you know Tilly's Saru. issues are all internal. Saru yeah. going through his, you know, puberty. O- only one kind of thing situation. Yeah, and so then yeah. you can have this, you know, paladin esque rock of a character in the middle, just just being guiding there. the ship. He's, yeah. he's literally guiding the ship. Yeah. Right. Which is great. And that's, that's why I actually am a big fan of the captain Americas and the Superman and the, the Christopher Pikes, because it, they can be the guiding rock that everybody can, can go on. And you watch uh, the Avengers and you have complex characters that have all sorts of crazy things with the Hulk and Thor and um, Iron Man, but Tony, that are yeah. all their own co- complex stuff. But you have Steve Rogers, who is a one straight arrow kind of character, <laughs> right? And that's what you need, and that's he, what the team he's standing right in the middle around. with his with his you know World War Two era uh, uh, philosophies, just fully fully um, um, like grounded in his mm-hmm. in his stance. 
And, yeah, uh, and and you can you can. That's why it makes a great team is that when you have a Captain America come on the screen in the Avengers um, uh, Infinity War, like when he comes on the screen, you just all of a sudden have the feeling like okay. Now it's going to go happen. Like things are going to happen and it's going to be guided and we're going to go out of chaos into straightforward making things happen. Yeah. Right. Because in that show, uh, that, that movie, he, uh, things are going crazy. Wanda and vision are getting attacked. Thanos is killing everybody. Everything's going, but then all of a sudden Steve Rogers shows up and they starts beating back the black order. And you're like, Oh Yes. Here he is. <laughs> now we now we can we've like okay, finally we've got some grounded stuff we can work with. And that's just a feeling you get with these characters. And Christopher Pike does that same kind of thing. And I'm super I'm super appreciative of of the Christopher Pike in this being that person. So I wanted to say a, one one moment he did in this last one was when the off his rocker Saru half the time comes in and he's just letting the the fight between um Lieutenant Love Interest and the Doctor um happen mm. you know and, and he goes and he tells the captain about it which makes sense and i get it all but the, yeah. but pike was very much like okay i get it but don't do that let that happen again we are officers type thing and i was like okay mm. that's great that's what he needed to say and you know he needs to put he needs to be putting saru down in his place every once in a while and i like that i like that he does right yeah the you know. the whole the very interesting complicated evolution of the of the saru character is very interesting to watch Oh, it's very interesting. He's, you know, he is, I, I don't know what, he's exciting because I don't know where he's going to end up after all this is done and over with this whole series, yeah. right? Yeah. Where is he going to end up? You Who know? knows? Who knows? Yeah. Is he going to be the captain of the Discovery after this is all done? Is that's going to be the guy? Or is he going to be like this, uh, an antagonist eventually or hmm. settle into stuff? You know, I don't know, but it's, it's really, I, and I also want to leave saying this. I, I don't know how, how long we talk about this or it's on. I still can't get used to a female having the name Michael. It just, <laughs> it, it's still, oh. I can't get used to that. <laughs> it's because it's your name. Like if it's, it was, that's why, I mean, if, it, if, yeah, I, I get that. Like if there was, a, if her name was Dennis, that would be difficult, right? It's just yeah. like, I don't know any Dennis's like, that are female. Why isn't it Denise? Which is, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why can't it be Michelle? Why wasn't her name Michelle? Which is just right? Michael with a French pronunciation. Like It's, it's got E L L E. It's spelled different, too. Well, not in French. So. It's spelled the same. But anyway. Oh, Michelle, yes. Right. All right. Yes, right. Uh, so you were talking about, we were talking about Avengers. Let's, I want to use that as an opportunity to segue into some, a little bit of trailer trash. In a world. So, have you seen the new, of course you've seen, the new Endgame trailer? Of course. I mean, it got, you know, it got the second most views in a, in 24 hours of any other trailer ever on YouTube. Yeah, because even even or people show. who know or think they know what's coming in the next movie, like, we still all want to see it. Like, right. it's still right. like, oh, there's a new, there's more stuff, there's more uh, footage. Um, well, you know, you know what got the, the number one most um, viewed video on YouTube in 24 hours was, don't you? It was the original Endgame trailer. Mm, sure. So, yeah, it's it's it, this is a force that's not stopping, and I'm so happy about that. I'm <laughs> you know what? Five years ago, people were having this whole like, oh, superhero burnout. It's ha it's a thing. It's going to happen. Sure. It's just you know, fatigue. anytime we're expecting the, that fatigue to hit, and no, like and this is a perfect example. Again, no, it's not. I it. It feels like beating a dead horse to use a conversation about a Marvel film to to bash on the DCEU, but uh, DC Warner Brothers like tried to kick off their 
um, what do you call it, team-up arc franchise with Death of Superman. Like, there's no... Yeah. There's no context for Death of Super. Like, yes, Superman is the most well-recognized superhero of all time, maybe tied with Batman. Um, and, you know, he's invincible, and you killed him. Mm-hmm. But you're still, like, your your cinematic universe is still in its infancy. You can't yeah. you can't do that. You, you jump they, in the they gun. They super tried to catch up way too the wrong. They went and, backwards. And that's exactly what the mcu is doing with this story it's like now that we've established all this thing like now it's everybody's dead what crazy kind of you know as as they say in the honest trailer for for infinity war killing off the main character to goose sales which (laughs) is super effective in the pokemon nomenclature like clearly you know everybody is dying to know what are they going to do? Well, there's a there's a Spider-Man movie, but it's set before the thing. I watched this yeah. trailer. Um, I don't know. The only thing it confirmed for me, which is sort of a ridiculous confirmation, is that Tony makes it back. Right? He does. In the, that, that they in the very that end right. of the trailer, they're wearing like white Red Avengers white suits. suits mm-hmm. And... And Tony Stark is there in the lineup, along with Captain Marvel. And you're like, okay. Well, and Nebula. And Nebula. Yeah. So the Nebula thing is is a little more of a like, oh, I didn't really think about that. Like, okay, she's she's had enough. She's joining forces with them. Yeah. And like, you knew, maybe you didn't know, but like, really you knew that Tony Stark was not going to just die out in space. Yes, right. but but he did spend most of Infinity War not with anyone else except the, the galaxy people. Like he was away from the Earth stuff. Yeah, and, so he and, could, and Spider-Man and Parker and the yeah. Gal- Guardians, right? So he did, but he did. He was separate, so he could have spent this next one not with the Avengers, right? He could have spent it out there. But he now we know he's have, back. But yeah, could have, but we doubt. Yeah, I, I, I will say this second trailer was neat um, and heartfelt because we also know that. It's highly, highly likely that either Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans won't be coming back, right? Or, or both. Like, we know that, or both, and and we know that, and it's it's a very it's already. I mean, hell, when there's this scene in Infinity War when um, Tony Iron Man is fighting uh, Thanos, and he Thanos gets him and stabs him in the stomach, and at that part, my heart sank because you know, like, oh, this is it. Oh this man, I saw that in the theater, and it's a. That's a classic example of like, uh, I talked about last week, a character or not a character, an actor bringing their catalog of work into every role as a sort of, uh, context outside of Mm -hmm. the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not quite that, but knowing that, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has been doing these movies for over a decade and Mm -hmm. is getting to the point where he wants to get out whether that's to do other kind of acting or just to be done, just to retire. Um, I'm not sure if he wants to get out. Honestly, I think he would probably do it. I think that he's getting older. And at some point, they're going to have a 60-year-old guy being Iron Man. they got to do something. Sure, right? sure. Um, but knowing that that he wants out and you're like, how are you going to do that? Is, is Tony Stark going to die? Is he going to retire? Is he going to you know, do a, do a Nick Fury, fake his own death? But... 
mm-hmm. like one or two people still have a magic pager that can reach him in an absolute right. emergency kind of Captain Marvel thing. Um, right. Yeah, I, in the theater watching that fight with Thanos, and it's like just the just the theme of that whole movie. If you're listening to this, you haven't seen Infinity War. Watch it. Don't. What's wrong? Why are you listening to us instead <laughs> you're of one of the eight billion people who you know? You're somehow listening to our podcast, but haven't seen Infinity yes. War. Um, right. All of the things, so many of the things in that movie that the good characters, the Avengers, the Guardians, um, and Strange and the Spider-Man do yeah. that are just are just blocked, are just canceled, negated. So many things. You're like, nobody nobody ever loses to the Hulk until right. Thanos. Nobody does. But but they oh well, you know, in the first right. five the, ten minutes of the, the show, first they, ten minutes they of the movie, you're like Thanos, you're like, yeah. wait, this guy this guy doesn't doesn't care about Hulk. Like Hulk has beaten everyone that he's encountered up to this point. Well, not and, only that, he he's also has Thor on his knees in front of him. Right, right. Same, right. The two, you know, the guys. And so when they get to that scene where he's he's punching Tony and Tony's got the, you know, nano suit, whatever. And it's like, it's right. regenerating, but it's not regenerating fast enough. I'm like, wait, did they get a, are they going to, are happen? they, are they going to kill Iron Man? Right. They, they could. Yeah. Nobody they knows, could. you and, know, right. Like right. this is a. This is a thing nobody knows. Like, even if you've read the comics, they're not staying as far as I know. I'm, you know, I haven't read the comics, but it's not beat for beat true to the comics. So, oh no, not they nobody do, knows. They could do whatever they want. Like they, right. they could kill him off right here, and it's done. And instead, they let him live and make him watch as his new friends and old friends and what all die, all disappear in a cloud of dust. Um. And, and he knows that he knows that he's lost it. Like, yeah, his protege does, too. Which which sort uh, of plays into my my theory that he doesn't die, but he retires. He's like, can't can't do this anymore right. like this. I'll I, I, I'll I help think, you guys fix it. And then I'm done. One yeah, last I, job. I think that uh, I, I agree with that, too. I, I would if I had a guess, if I is based on nothing, there's nothing, no mm-hmm, insider mm-hmm. thing or reading. But if I had to guess how. Disney Marvel will finish these things out is that they will uh that Captain America will sacrifice himself heroically for someone if not just Tony it might be Tony Oh you think he, you he, think that, Steve dies Yeah I think Steve dies Okay um because there are several Captain Americas that can take over and have been doing okay namely the Winter Soldier and Falcon um so I know, I know, but that's the thing that you know, whatever. And uh, I'm so, t- so, I'm so that, tired of. I have Bucky fatigue. Like I get it, I get it. I, I want to, I want to see the, I want to see the girl, um, the granddaughter, uh, uh, Carter, Sharon Carter, Peggy Carter, Peggy Carter. Yeah, right? Yeah. So th- there are options for there, and there are options for Iron Man as well. Sure. But I, I do. I see that Iron Man, that Tony does retire. I think that he'll be there. If anything, they might have another Iron Man movie where he's tre- he's uh, training Ironheart, which is. Uh, uh, someone in the in the, the comic books. So there, there's there's several ways that they can go that are going to be very successful, entertaining for many years down the way. Sure. But I think that Evans Evans is done. Um, he's been a guy that has been vocal a little bit. He's such a nice, polite guy in real life, anyway. But he's been very vocal about like I I like doing these and I'm okay doing these, but I like to do other things and I'm okay if I didn't. Right? It's it's 
either way. Right. Um, so he, he wouldn't be, he'll do fine otherwise. And he knows it and he's okay. And he doesn't have to be there and everybody else can be mm. on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's what I, I think happens. And I'm, I'm excited about this. This trailer just doesn't work. It's so well done with the, the reds, like everything's in black and white. And you see at the beginning, you hear, you hear they're doing flashbacks for the first three movies, like the Thor, Iron Man. And, yeah. There's a little bit of yeah. that, um, uh, that, Schindler's List effect where like just one uh-huh. thing is in color and it's red it's always red right which is you know it's just oh it's so very neat Ant-Man's coming in did it's, you see this yeah. this is a little um whatever I'll put well, it in Captain Marvel with Thor that was good I'll put it in the show notes but um our buddy who's who still uses Twitter because only a couple of our <laughs> friends are still using Twitter uh right. posted this uh tweet thread um somebody did analyzing the relationship between Gamora and Thanos. I did. And I didn't like that. Oh, you didn't like it. I didn't like it because as I was reading it the whole time, I was thinking this is a great way where somebody is twisting things to get their own, what they want. So, so to to say what we're talking about here, who are listening, uh, it, it was a thread about how someone was saying color, uh, was analogous to love with Gamora and it was oranges were love and purples were Thanos and not love. And it, it, it showed several scenes where they would do things. But if you go back and read that, that article, that train of thought, they go back and forth. There's a spot where there's a whole scene where uh, they even show and they say, or it's called bathed in orange, but her and Thanos are together. And, they just say, "Oh, well, this is because of that." It's like they explain it however way they want oh, to explain it. I see it. what you're saying, but like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, there's orange in every scene, and there's there's purples in every scene, and sure. they're just going to capture it's, one and say this it's a is little, a thing. it's it's somewhere between, right? Because um, we know that filmmakers do this, especially when sure. Um, this is actually a decent segue into our next topic. Uh, we didn't mention this when we talked about Mary and Max, but in Mary and Max. Max's whole world is grayscale. It's black and yeah. white. And Mary's whole world, or did I say, I said it backwards. Did I? I don't know. Yeah. yeah Max's world, Max's New York City is all gray. It's black and white right. gray. And Mary's whole world, Melbourne, Australia, is all browns and sepia tones. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention, you might not notice it. I noticed it pretty early on. Um, but toward the end of the film, those those lines come together. I don't know that they actually do because of the way that movie goes. But um, we know that that filmmakers do this, uh, you know, especially in something like an Avengers movie where so much of it is digital effects. Like they can make the light be whatever they want it to be. Oh, yeah. They, they totally, totally change all the lighting. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and I do agree with the fact that some some people the, the hero in all these movies that we're not mentioning that doesn't get mentioned enough is the Russo brothers the directors mm. um they have um oh what's the buffy guy what's the buffy director guy what's Joss Whedon Joss Whedon Joss Whedon get, got massive props for doing the first avengers movie successfully doing sure. it really great and everybody loved it and his name was just as big as everybody else's but the Russo brothers made captain america winter soldier and, and civil war amazing it it made it all of the good things that you love about super movies and reality and people and then hu- the human side of it. <laughs> and they did that with this movie 
and they're they're going to do it with the other ones. So yeah, sure, they I could see they could put these little things in because they're such talented directors that they absolutely could potentially use colors and sound and different things to their effects if they want, you know, to. They're, it's not beyond their scope. They're some damn good directors. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I thought that was cool. Let's um yeah, yeah. No. Uh, we started talking hey, wait, about trailers. We got to finish. We're trailers. Finish no, talking about finish trailers. trailers. <laughs> Have you superhero seen superhero one? Another one we saw was Shazam. That was uh, Shazam. another yep. superhero. Yeah. Uh, did you see the new one for that one? How, are you, are you, I know you don't know anything about Shazam and I don't want to go into anything about it really, but I mean, I do the, are you little, excited the about? little context that I got from uh, playing injustice and reading the injustice uh, uh, series. I but mean, that's all you really need. We, that's it. That's all you need. To we talk talked about, about yeah. this movie when we had Fox on, um, sure. you know, the, the remake of big with Zachary Levi as the, as the Tom Hanks version of the character. It's sure. It's great. I, I love Zachary Levi. He doesn't do all that much stuff, but everything he does is is great. He's a hilarious, relatable nerd kind of character actor. Well, and his, his buddy is going to be great too, right? Like, yeah, his right, his sidekick. Um, I'm looking Freddy. forward to this. This this second trailer shows a lot more of his fallibility. Um, it and anytime you see a superhero being fallible, it reminds me of Hancock. But this, of course, is not going to be anywhere near as dark as Hancock was. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Um, I mean, that was just a that was like an M. Night Shyamalan superhero. Movie. <laughs> uh, right, right. I did recently watch Split, finally. I don't know if we've talked about that on the show, but. Uh, oh, I, I have not watched Split or Glass, which is terrible. So, yeah, I haven't seen neither I, one, I, but I saw, well, I hadn't, but I saw Glass or saw Split a couple of weeks ago. Um, was it is it worth watching? I should watch that, I guess. It's a, it's a horror, scary suspense thriller, right? Yeah, but it's not. It's not like Quiet Place. There's not a bunch of like jump scares or anything like that. It's okay. more psychological. So you're you're ahead of me on that series now. <laughs> I know you, you you came back and watched Invincible not too long ago. So. But yeah, this uh, Shazam movie looks great. I'm, I'm struggling to keep my my expectations moderate for uh, for this yeah, movie, yeah. so I'm not disappointed <laughs> by too. it. But you know, they put um, Slim Shady music in there which is good because it's like my name it's a song all about my name my name which is the as i understand it the whole shazam thing is about the name thing, right um, right i i tell you what here's what you should moderate help you moderate your expectations is that okay. i think that aquaman is fun because of um the guy that plays aquaman and sure. how he's doing aquaman well, and that's always fun and you got a lot of that in the movie surfer dude bro surfer dude bro yeah he was great and that's you got you did get what you wanted out of that movie with him, which made it a good movie, I think. But really, the rest of it was kind of like the writing and everything else with the villains and things like, were what's very going lackluster. On? These these squids are fighting these sea turtles. I don't really know, and right. it, do, it and doesn't that's really I, matter. I worry that what happened with Shazam too is that is that like the villain is only kind of barely been seen, and he's got superpowers too, like a Superman, which I. Just don't know what's happening there, and mm. they could they could really that could be a bad part of that movie, sure, right? And they're not they're not showing in us any of that. Uh, That's they're true. Just show, they're, they focus on the fun parts and not like for sure what is the for story, sure. which is going to be the most part, important thing. Is that not just watching this kid be a superhero? It's going to be what's he doing? What's what's happening? What's the big MacGuffin here? You know. So yeah, that that's what I'm moderating my like. Okay, I like all the stuff with Zachary Levi, but I'll wait and see. <laughs> but that is all um, right. Um, we're we're running along on time. Quickly, I want to talk about our third trailer, 
uh, a movie mm-hmm. called Yesterday. Uh, yes. Do you want to try and summarize this film, or I can? Sure, I can do it real quick. Quickly, um, it's just that uh, some kind of uh, supernatural thing happens in the world that they just in the trailer hint very quickly about. All the lights go off, and it wakes up, and a guy uh, who happens to be a singer songwriter, just a normal guy. Uh, is singing uh, a Beatles song yesterday to his girlfriend or something. And they're like, I'd never heard that before. And then it, he comes to find out that the Beatles never existed, but he knows them and nobody else in the world does. Right. So he starts writing the Beatles songs and becomes this huge famous guy and is a massive world's biggest um, singer songwriter because he's doing, you know, it's this to the soundtrack of the Beatles, which are, are, are great and classic. Right. Um, and it has a lot to do with, there's a love interest that matters and you know, how does he um, deal with it and stuff like that. The, the so, return yeah. of uh, Ana de Armas from uh, Blade Runner 2049. No, that was the girl on the show. On is the that talk what, show. On the, yeah. The, the, the talk the, show. That's where I saw her. From the main girl is Lily James from Downton Abbey. Uh, the, the live action Cinderella and Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Right. Well, I, I got to, it's funny, I after watching the trailer, which I liked, I like it a lot. I'm actually, that's one, I'm not a really big into some of these. I didn't watch Bohemian Rhapsody and some of these other like music biopics. Sure. It's fine. It's okay. But it's just not usually my cup this of tea. Is, this one I kind of This is watch. different. This is, this is sci-fi in a way. This like, is sci-fi. Yeah. And it's, and it's the Beatles music, which depending on your age and your musical experience journey i mean there are some weirdos out there that don't like music i don't know what that's about (laughs) but um i mean it's like a lot of science fiction stories there is an element of suspension of disbelief like Mm -hmm. somehow imagine a world where the beatles never happened but everything else is the same like we still got you know led zeppelin rolling stones Simon and Garfunkel, all the other like music right. that was inspired by the basic four piece structure that the Beatles made crazy famous, like whatever it's right. present day. Yeah. Everything else it's is the same. We, we still have Ed Sheeran who is in the trailer. Who's in, um, he's in the trailer. Right. Hey dude. Um, he does the Hey dude. And line. yeah, the yeah. Hey dude thing. Uh, and yeah, I mean it, th- there's enough music. There's enough story in the trailer to make me, want to go see it and uh i'm, I'm yeah i I'll, I'll say this though it's a strange concept I, it's a strange I, audience and I look that they're aiming it. at but uh but yeah. here, here's the thing i went back to listen to the beatles music because like oh yeah i haven't heard this one who listen to imagine and put some stuff on amazon and just start playing it mm-hmm. and you're gonna hate me for saying this but like it's not as great like the original sounds and stuff like the original stuff not remakes not redone sure is feel it definitely feels dated like I know that it's all where inspired from it's great music, but it's just not as well as like I listen to Sergeant Peppers and it's great, but it's just yes, in context, the Vietnam War where it is, but it just didn't hold up for me. <laughs> and I was and actually it was funny, I was talking to somebody who was uh, at the same time about this trailer and showed it and we were talking about it and she's like early thirties mm-hmm. and she was never really a, a Beatles person or didn't know that kind of thing just younger you know sure and it's to her it's like yeah that's sounds like old people music sure you know i like it it's a great song i love it but now that being said there's so many neater kind of remakes or modern tones that they've remade you know imagine or something like that and it's like sounds so amazing and this trailer does that like when he's playing the music it's 
beautiful. Sure. It's right? new it's new recording techniques. I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but I have the uh re-released, remastered vinyl of um of Sgt. Peppers. And mm-hmm. I don't know about the the political context of the time. So uh, Sgt. Peppers It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Sgt. Peppers is like Okay, if you imagine if if it makes any sense to you for me to say what the Empire Strikes Back is to movies, mm-hmm. um, as in the like crazy subversive part two middle dark arc, like sure. there's so mm-hmm. many things that people mean when they when they use Empire or Empire Strikes Back as an adjective. Yes, that's what Sergeant Pepper's is to music. Like the, sure. the Beatles were this group, and they did this thing, this very standard cookie cutter British invasion kind of four piece sound everybody else was doing and they did it to the absolute peak right Mm -hmm. and then they hit that peak and they did Sgt. Peppers they did something completely different Mm -hmm. and and that's you know what it is in music but anyway what I started to say I like that you said I like that you said the Empire thing. That's a perfect example is that like I love it. I it's a huge cinematic thing for the world and anybody doesn't say like how dare you. But really younger people who watch it can see that it's dated. You don't really have right? the full context. It's I mean the same thing yeah. with Star Wars like without knowing the other movies that were being made at the time, you it's hard to appreciate what a Marvel uh um yes, the Star Wars was. Um, I agree. And same thing with the Beatles music. It's the same thing. They like, they re-released the, the son of, uh, I want to say George Martin, and I hope that that's right. Uh, the producer for the Beatles who did Sgt. Pepper's, his son, with the help of, of um, uh, Paul McCartney and maybe Ringo, um, remastered the stereo mix of that album because the original stereo mix was awful. Um, yeah stereo was new technology it was mostly mixed for mono and then after the band went home they would take the masters and play around with stereo they're like let's put for this track let's put all the vocals on this side and all the instruments on this side or whatever i'm exaggerating but um, you just lost so much sound and listen to it again it's like a whole different song like there's uh um complete bass components you couldn't even hear before because they were so compressed. Uh, yes. And so, so right. anyway, my point with that is that a lot of that is just technology. Um, I agree. I totally agree. And when listening to those originals, ones that I was just two days ago was, mm-hmm. I can tell that. I, yeah. And I can, t- and I, and I had just listened to this trailer. It's why it's relevant. And I thought, man, it's had such a rich, cool sound sure, that the trailer sure. gave you. And you go back, you're like, Oh, this sounds terrible because and it's, that's why, because right. the movie is set in present day. Yeah, and so watching this movie, you're just going to get the awesome Beatles and really be able to appreciate the Beatles music for what it is, the, not necessarily the, the, the old songwriting original. and the musical. Yeah, just yes, yeah, it's so. yeah. You you have to kind of you have to go into it and go, okay, yes, like yeah. is is every Beatles hit a lyrical masterpiece? Not by a long shot, but no. okay, just just go along for the ride. Right. And and they do a good job. And this trailer looks great. So I was really surprised by it. I'm I will definitely watch this one and yeah, mostly for sure. happily watch it in the theater. So hey, there's our good trailers. 
All right. Good, good trailers this we, week. We, we still have to talk about our 2020 challenge. Okay, so this week we had uh, the Alfred Hitchcock, is it 1960s? Is that what it is? 58. 58, right, 58. Uh, 1958 movie Vertigo. Um, Have you watched a lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies? Not recently. Um, Back in college, just after college, I watched a handful. I think I've seen, uh, I watched some of his TV show. I've seen rear window and rebecca i don't know a handful i don't uh, psycho well, you, you've already seen more than what i've seen it okay. sounds like then I, I i think i've watched the birds and maybe another never saw uh, psycho psycho was his right yeah i yeah think and, so right. i hope so yeah right um so i i haven't seen a lot uh but i appreciate all of the things that he does and i've and i did also in college when i had to get like a film appreciation course got to to you know see the things that he's doing in in cinema there and some of the neat effects and the documentaries a lot of times watching the documentaries of these kind of things are neat because you can appreciate them more right like why they're yeah. doing x y or z and gives you a lot of stuff uh, this one i hadn't actually heard of vertigo so this is on a i, I want to comment that this is on a bucket list 100 bucket list poster not top 100 poster Although right. this is one of the movies on this list that several organizations put on a list of top 100, sometimes top 10 for just, you know, being revolutionary or for whatever reason. And those reasons, okay. including being revolutionary or, or having excellent sort of an observation I made at some point uh, during this movie was that. Uh, there had been no dialogue for a good 20 minutes. Oh, yes. I know exactly. So yes. much right. visual storytelling. Right. I I could appreciate this, watching this movie, for the exact same reason we just had this Beatle conversation, mm. is that um, I had not heard anything about this, sure. had not seen this, had not did anything about it, and I intentionally didn't read any of the background, even though I knew that Hitchcock was, it's important to know some of these kind of things. Right. But that's not what we have typically done with some of these things, even when we used to do our way back challenges, was that I want to take it as if it's right today and I watch this movie. Do I enjoy it? Is this something that I, you know, today, if it was released today, is this be like, oh, I love this movie? <laughs> because a lot of times I think that, you know, we put meta onto things. Right. A, a thing is something because of the meta, not because of what it is. The Beatles being the same thing it is. Are the Beatles amazing if that was released today? I don't know. Um, but it was if you put all of the stuff with it to understand what the Beatles music is. And in this one, it's the same kind of thing. It's like if you can put all the meta with what the cinematography and what Hitchcock was doing and it's the first kind of thing and they never really had twists the way this twist was. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's revolutionary, and I can appreciate it for that. But I'll be honest, I wouldn't put this on my list. I'm going to skip that to the end already and let you know that this would not be on my list as things that I would tell people you should watch. Okay. It's the, um, it's the ending, right? No, the ending was fine. Oh. It, the ending was the best part of the movie was was the uh, the whole twist, and that was super interesting in the second half of the movie. The first half, and I, I did go afterwards and read, because after I was done with this and felt like, 
what is the big deal about this movie? That's what I thought. I went, decided to go online and read and see why. What, what is this big deal? And I, I agreed with all the things people said. I was like, oh, okay. Um, all right. Okay, I get that. <laughs> but I had to read and do all the meta to it to enhance the movie. Sure. Um, and I could just, yeah. It's sort you of... You mentioned it's, the non-dialogue. That was something that bothered the crud out of me. It's sort of a... It's sort of a classic example of the what we might sometimes describe as the critic audience gap or maybe mm-hmm. yes maybe critic right, yes. is the wrong word but like the the savvy versus non-savvy yes crowd like if you understand that this is the first time that anyone ever did a dolly zoom um, yes, and that's the effect they use to make the stairwell in the in the uh, bell tower elongate, uh, mm-hmm. which they did with a model because you have to run a camera on a dolly on a rail, and you can only do that horizontally. Um, but then every other time since then, uh, one of the most famous examples is in Pulp Fiction, where they use the dolly zoom to make the background compress or expand behind a a subject, a you know, yeah. protagonist or something as a way to um convey disorientation or kind of uh, uh, mind being blown kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Like this was the first time anybody ever did that technically. And right. there's a scene toward the end where they're in the hotel room and they're kissing and the background changes behind them. They had to do that with this weird combination of like two scenes being projected behind them and they're on a spinning platform and the camera goes one way Mm -hmm. and then goes the other way. But to us, it just looks like it's spinning. Um, I I say I recognize that that scene when they were doing that. There are all of those. They did it all seamless. There are all of those technical achievements. The um, all of the car driving scenes are geographically accurate with what you see behind him. Um, yeah. Combine that with um, uh, James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart's acting, which is all like it's very Jimmy Stewart. Like that's mm-hmm. that's true. I've not seen much of his work beyond It's a Wonderful Life and once yeah. years ago Rear Window, which uh-huh. I think might also be on our list. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, I like Jimmy Stewart. And I like he, a lot he, about he has his same kind that. of character, but the first time we see him driving, I'm like, I know that he can't see what's behind him, so he can't react to it, right? Mm-hmm. But within the technical limitations of the time, it looks it looks like he's driving. I mean, it doesn't sure. now, but he's not moving the wheel back and forth. He's, yeah. for the most part, keeping his eyes forward where the road should yeah. be. Um, you know, he's acting like he's driving very well. Yeah. Um, which they do, by the way, for like, feels like 20 minutes. That's, that is the one thing that definitely I was like, yeah, movies are not, the pacing of movies today is, is nothing like what it used to be. This is very... I'm going to say slow, slow and slow and, and that sounds derogatory, but it was the time of the day. I was, I was tired. I was like, Same here. this is really, 
the first the entire first act and a lot of the second act is very slow burn and it's it stopped me from watching it i was watching it and then it it kept happening and i'm mm -hmm. like okay i'm not in the mind for this i got to turn it off and watch it later and and i went back and watched and broke it up and then it went on for another 10 minutes when he follows her like the next day again and i'm like it's a oh man yeah and it's a and it's a combination of intentional direction because um oh it was yeah hitchcock was a guy who would not would not shoot a scene until he was until he had everything planned out perfectly in his mind mm -hmm. right like he would he would get all the and he and sometimes they would they would halt production and they would wait until he he was sure everything was perfect and it and it shows in this work um you see you know like i said before the roads are all accurate you see things where a lot of the a lot of the effects a lot of the visual cues feel um overt and campy by today's standards sure, yeah for sure sure big I mean, it's 1958 big right? yeah. like you know we're gonna zoom in on this thing and we're gonna hang there and we're gonna wait and then we're gonna pan over here to show this like a lot of that is just a product of the era right and yeah the the comparison with other with other things being made at the time like like the hair the hair thing was like oh okay all the right hair thing okay. like <laughs> like make sure you get this it was you know to an audience that wasn't as as saturated with visual media as we are now today mm -hmm. um right yeah i don't yeah it, it it uh i agree again you're you're talking about all the meta uh, all that is something that yes has a lot of appreciation for it but this would not go on a bucket list for me and i don't and i would not tell someone like oh my gosh you have to watch this show because your it enriches your movie entertainment experience i i just don't feel that way i think that it's a fine i love the twist the twist is great i actually loved i wish they would have got to that easier and told that story and i'd love to be an editor and cut this down to an hour-long movie hmm. and you know you and i know that's probably our modern sensibilities but um it's that this was a neat a neat thing and i'm not sure i've actually seen that done myself at least in another movie where they you know it's a a, a ruse that you totally changes the what happens in the in the movie what you think the movie is you know halfway through and then you're dealing with a psychosis and something that he has to go through and it was really really kind of a neat thing and i loved that but it did it did take a while to get there it took a long while to get there and that that wasn't the only thing about it being that, that i didn't care about it it was just um i said the story was the twist and the twist was just not enough for me to think that there's are a hundred other better movies out there that i could have watched um i i did not like this movie that's something to say for sure it's not a bad movie in any way um, and I actually love watching these old 1950s and 60s movies. This was something that when I watched this, I was like, oh, this is great. It's Jimmy Stewart. I love hearing his voice. Um, I loved every interaction he had with Midge, right? Mm -hmm. Like Midge was my favorite in the whole thing. <laughs> she really was. Um, and every time they were in her her house, I was like, I love this show. This is the kind of 60s, 50s things I like, right? Um, and then it goes on to driving for an hour and a half and then it goes and they go into the woods that doesn't make a lot of sense and they talk real slow 
that he tries to ask her questions and she does those old things where the, she won't answer. And you're like, I just want to punch this person in the face. <laughs> right. You know, like just answer the question. A lot of the, uh, sort of cultural, um, stereotypes of the time of the era. Yeah. Right. Which if, if anything we could talk about with this show, it's that, uh, it definitely puts you back. Like how, when men and women were in that era, like that was a, yeah. I mean, it's man, this such a huge. It's this classic know? kind of like Jimmy Stewart is fifty and Kim Novak is like twenty five. She look they, she looks a little yeah. older because most of the time she has like white, almost gray looking hair and a and a really stiff gray suit, which is sort of this visual, yeah. you know, ghost kind of thing that they're trying to convey, but. Uh, yeah, it's a little... Yeah, and they also, like, they fall in love within two times meeting each other. And it's clearly his buddy's wife. Right. They don't even they don't even mention any of that. I mean, you, right? it's you just, find out... All of it, the first half makes no sense. You like, find out that it's not. And I think... I have to believe that that is part of the reason for the kind of slow atmospheric build. That, like, at least on his part, a lot of this is happening over a long period of time. And they sort of have us ride along for this long sort of process of like, okay. Yeah, and a lot of the reviews will, yeah, the studies for this will will tell you that like, they almost always start in the second half. They're like, okay, get past the first half. Now let's just not, let's just, it's like they ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get past the first half and let's talk about the second half. Like, which to me is important. They should just edit it out the crap. Sure. You know? Sure. And this is and make it a great movie. And this is a time I don't. I'm not an expert on on Alfred Hitchcock. I know that according to the trivia on IMDb, this movie was a commercial flop when it yeah when it, it did not first well. yeah. um uh, uh was released, um, which means that it had a Rotten Tomatoes audience score really low, right? Well, now the audience score is 91, percent but of course we've yeah had I, I went saw that as raw super high of, of intervening time, 60 years, um. And, you know, he blamed that on the actors, which I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe you could have done this with Cary Grant or, or Bogart at the time. But, you know, Jimmy Stewart's acting is a big part of what makes I could I think you could have had somebody other than Kim Novak play the, the, the female. For sure, um, yeah. You know. Well, and there were so many things like he rescues her from the the water and he just takes her back he to his house and his strips place. all her clothes off yeah. and, he, and he talks about blow drying her hair and talk about no your point this... talk about your cultural uh uh generation gap yeah and you're like what is happening does this guy not a super creeper rapist type dude i felt really super awkward and she walks out and he acts like it's no big deal it's like yeah just took your clothes off and uh tell me let me answer your questions about you mm-hmm. you're in my house and mm-hmm. she's like why am I not home? What's happening? You know, he's like, yeah, now tell me about your life. Like it's a complete stranger. Yeah. Right. So, and then, and then he wants to kick or he holds her hand and I'm like, man, this is the creepiest thing I've seen, <laughs> but it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like endearing and like, whoa, that's just, yeah. That's I feel like for, co- for full context, we needed to see like charade and uh, Sabrina and a couple other like, uh, I think Psycho is on our list way at the end. Rear Window is yeah. not, although we should maybe watch that when the uh, female protagonist remake of that comes.
comes out. I think that's later. Yeah, I think this some year. On, on these some of these challenges that might be something that get, is a little stick with me is that I, I am viewing some of these ones that I've not seen before without the meta. Like, and I'm intentionally doing that. I'm not mm. reading up on our on these movies before I watch the movie because yeah. I really want to enjoy it for what it is or not. Like, I enjoyed Mary and Max just as it was, sure, right, without looking at anything else. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do I want to I want to come from it from that standpoint and not the meta of it so all right so yeah. um uh, now that we're we're back yep. from the from the spoilers section though we didn't talk too much about the spoilers and the twist um mm-hmm. in the list of three options uh a bucket list movie you should see once uh good classic as in movie you should watch several times or a don't bother um i'm putting this in the bucket list you should see it once and you know if you need to watch some other movies around the same time to get some context i think i've not seen every film i've not even seen most of alfred hitchcock's films but if you're only going to watch one this is probably it i think it's his his most celebrated work um Mm. and that's that's where i'm at Mm. with that yeah and and mine was the don't bother but don't bother but that's for me right that's a very thing Um, your, I think yours is pretty much what I think the standard everyone else would, would go with sure. as well. It's, uh, um, we, we said this in the spoiler section, but the first act and a lot of the second act of this movie are very, very slow. Uh, some of that is a product of the time. Some of it is a director who was very methodical intention and intentional in all of his visual composition. Uh, and it, and it shows in an almost to an almost self-indulgent degree. I think that I wonder if the movie would be enhanced a little bit if if you could tell the person the setup, just give them the setup and then say skip to minute number 39 or so. I think it's like 40 is when it starts to like when he meets her, right? when he rescues her from the water, from the bay, like hmm. the bay. Then the movie starts to happen. I wonder. Um, and this is sort of I don't want to spoil this, so don't say mm-hmm. say anything about the details, but we. People talk a lot about spoilers, but there's a there's an aspect of if you know the ending, if you know the twist from the beginning, it really, really changes the way that you watch a movie. We experienced this last year mm-hmm. when we watched Memento. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if you told somebody the twist, the 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 turn of this movie before they started it, if the first act would be more um more enjoyable entertainment maybe 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 i could i could see back and going back and seeing again i don't want to say runs contrary to the whole no spoilers philosophy but uh right there it is that that it could it could be a little bit more enjoyable knowing what is happening on those long scenes that kind of maybe makes sense but just again for me made it a slog to get through (laughs) um but sure. I, I I can have appreciation for that. So, and then, what's the next one? What do we got coming up? What's uh, lined up? We're we're going completely the other way. This is the Dark Knight, the first uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh shoot! Okay, Batman movie. I'm sure you've seen this a hundred times. I've seen it right. at most twice. So uh, I will watch it again happily. It's, yeah, it's not what I say, but my actions that define me. Right. Maybe I'll go back and I mean, because this is one of those ones that I I would I wish they would have put this series on here. I know it's a long series, but to, to watch all three movies is, are pretty great. Is this to the watch. one with Heath Ledger or is that the second? one? No, this is not the one with okay. Heath, Heath. Oh, wait, the Dark Knight. Uh, yeah, it is because Batman Begins is. Oh, the you're right. First one. You're right. That's the first yes, one. So right. this is the 
This is the this Empire is the, Strikes Back of the franchise. No, it's yeah, which is great. It's, I'm, I, they have several things that are like the full series, like you watch all the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, but I'm surprised they just put this one on there because Why I think so that the serious? third one was the good. one with Bane is bad. It's, it's, I thought it was okay. It's, it's long. It's okay, but like I don't know. Like Catwoman was great in that one. I liked her her character and Anne Hathaway. Yeah. yeah. Anne Hathaway, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is a good one. I'm excited. I, I will happily watch this one just because Heath Ledger is phenomenal. And, yeah. and this is, we're going to talk about it next week, but I, I will say this is one of the, the best examples of me eating crow of any time that I've done with movies <laughs> is that I was, there was no way possible that anyone could be better than Jack Nicholson. He was going to be the thing forever. Mm. And then Heath Ledger came up and I was like, wow, I'm totally wrong in all things I said. So <laughs> it's a happy watch. Cool. Nice. Nice. More modern things. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 82. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Uh, check them out. They talk about movies even more than we do, but <laughs> in more concise with uh, uh, more brevity. Right. If you like Star Trek role-playing, Star Trek role-playing, check out our other show, KlingonsDragons.com. It's not safe for work. If you have questions or comments on the show, if you've been playing along with us on our challenge, if you want to tell Michael everything he's wrong about... Hitchcock. Uh, Hitchcock. Yes. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to mm-hmm. our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms. We got the whole schedule for the 2020 challenge, 100 movies. Uh, some of the dates on there are subject to change, but for the most part, that's right. the schedule we're following. Right. Uh, if you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, that would be great. Thanks as always for joining us, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael for the front porch. All right. See you next time.